Attention, attention, do not be alarmed. This is the element of surprise. I have so much anger. I feel like I've been raped. In the face! Great Scott. At no point in your rambling were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Yes, you just discovered a new element! Just the element of surprise. Alright everybody, welcome to the Element of Surprise. My name is Chadwick J. Suet, and I am your host. This is, again, the Element of Surprise. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash EOS, Mentally Irregular. Find all the episodes that we uh, that I have on uh, Podomatic at eosmentallyirregular.podomatic.com. And, uh, you know, you can also get in touch with me with e- through email at element.2017 at yahoo.com. Okay, getting right into it. Um, I threw a poll up on the Facebook group um, about two weeks ago on uh, what topic would you guys like to hear me discuss. The only vote was for mythology, so I'm going to talk about mythology this week, apparently. Um, which led me right into, you know, what about mythology is the first thing that stands out. And obviously, obviously, that's Zeus. That's the, uh, the god Zeus. And, you know, when I think of Zeus, I don't know about you guys, but when I think of Zeus, I think about Zeus like to get freaky. You know, most people think, oh, you know, he ruled on high on Mount Olympus and he threw the lightning bolts and shit like that. Not me, not me. To me, I think of Zeus and Zeus like to get fucking freaky. Zeus like to come down from, from Mount Olympus and he liked to bang mortals and create like hybrid you know, uh, demigods is what they were called, but, uh, he, like, half-human, half-god people, like, you know, like, um, like, uh, they say Achilles was one, there's Perseus from Clash of the Titans, you know, was the son of Zeus, um, there's, uh, a lot of people flip-flop on Hercules, was he half-god, or was he a full god that was, uh, taken down and lost, uh, most of his godliness, I don't care, but the point is, is he, Zeus liked to come down, he liked to, uh, you know, he liked to get his dick wet with the mortals, so, I have narrowed down uh, three of Zeus's demi- demigod children for you here that uh, I think are probably the most bizarre births and bizarre creatures that uh, Zeus could have. Number one, we have Orion. You know, the Orion from Orion's Belt, that mythical person. Well, Orion, according to true Greek mythology, was a giant who was born in answer to the prayers of the childless king. Orion was conceived by three gods, Zeus, Hermes, and Poseidon, whenever they urinated onto a bull and then buried it in, in the, inside the earth. And then there, there, this piss-covered bull grew and out-popped Orion. It like grew up like a tree and out-pops Orion, and he's a demigod. So apparently, if you're Zeus and you piss on animals then, uh, and then bury them in the earth, a, 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 a giant child will be created. Uh, moving on, we got Helen of Troy, and everybody knows that about the Trojans and the Trojan horse and Achilles and Hector and Prince Paris and you know uh, Helen of Troy left uh, left her husband for Paris, and that's what started the whole Trojan War and all that y- y- uh, all that hubbubaloo. But um, Helen of Troy was said to be a daughter of Zeus, and uh, this is this is according to Greek mythology how Helen of Troy was born, Zeus. Uh, while impersonating a swan, 
as in the bird, impregnated a lady named Leda. Or, or there's two, it goes either way. Or Zeus impregnated a lady named Nemesis while she was a go- while she was uh, in the shape of a goose. They, they haven't been able to decide. Was, go- was Zeus a swan? Was this woman a goose? Uh, you know, why were they banging? Who knows? But uh, in, I, in any event, Helen of Troy was hatched out of the egg. That, uh, you know, it was either a swan egg or a goose egg. And that's Greek mythology. Uh, and then lastly, we got Aphrodite. Aphrodite was, um, according to Greek mythology, after Zeus was castrated, after his genitals were castrated and thrown from Mount Olympus down into the sea, the foam, the sea foam that rose up into the waves from Zeus's castrated genitals, from his old dick and balls getting thrown off, getting cut off and thrown down into the waves, that foam um, uh, became Aphrodite. She was, uh, that's why she's often shown in, in paintings and portraits coming out of the waves. These are facts, people. I'm not making this shit up. I'm not making it up. Greek mythology is as mentally irregular as you can fucking get. I love this shit. I love it. So, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit about Greek mythology there for you. I thought I'd share that. Um, okay. All right. What else do we got? What else do we got for you? I was, uh, I was taking a look at some pictures and, uh, I saw Eugene Levy's giant eyebrows, and I just thought that I should maybe take a few minutes to comment on them. I'm not positive. I've seen a lot of movies with him from you know like the '80s and uh, the early '90s, whenever he was popular before the resur- before his resurgence with the American Pie shit. And I think the more he ages, like you've heard that that a person can age like a fine wine, and they just get better with age. I think his eyebrows get larger with age. I think the older he gets, the the thicker. And more voluptuous and and full his eyebrows get. It's like a mustache, you know. The more you you take care of it and you and you take care take care of your mustache, the bigger and more f- full it'll get. Eugene Levy's eyebrows are uh, pretty much exactly the same, but opposite. He's not taking care of them in any way, shape, or form. They look like garbage, but they keep getting bigger. And I'm willing to bet that by the time that man is like 95 years old, if he lives to be 95, by the time he's 95 years old. His, his head is going to just, like, everything, it's going to go, like, chin, mouth, nose, eyes, and then his eyebrows are just going to be where his hairline starts. And it's going to go the whole way back down to the nape of his neck. So that, that, that's what's going to happen with Eugene Levy's eyebrows. Um, <clears throat> okay, now that I got that out of the way, I was thinking, they, they got the Harry Potter series on HBO, and I, I was watching them. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but notice how... Uh, this uh, this Lord Voldemort, you know he he who is he who shall not be named, as they say. But uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say his name, Voldemort. You know, and uh, Ray Fiennes played him uh, amazingly. But that, I'm not getting into the portrayal. I'm getting into the character. And uh, you know, I'm wondering what 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 pisses this Voldemort off so much that uh, that he needs to go and become this dark wizard that just fucks everybody's day up and just wrecks the world for all wizards and hates muggles and everything like that. And it hit me. It hit me. He's the only motherfucker without a nose. He's the only one in the whole series that has no nose. He's just got, like, flatness, and there's two slits for him to breathe through. And uh, so I'm, I'm guessing that Voldemort's just pissed off because he ain't got no nose. So, you know, maybe someone should just you find a spell like uh, Nosius Groius, you know, pick, pull out your little wand and flick it, Nosius Groius, and then he'll have a nose and he'll be happy. And, uh, you know, they, someone should have done that. Where, where was Dumbledore when that was going on? Why didn't he think of that? What, what, what about Severus Snape 
whenever he's uh, talking to him, and Alan Rickman, the late Alan Rickman's uh, incredibly soothing, yet somehow equally threatening voice. It's like, Alan, first off, if I might digress, I want to make a bed. I wish I had pillows and a bed made out of Alan Rickman's voice, because I'd get wonderful sleep, but I'd be plagued by nightmares the whole time. It's it's contradictory. It's an oxymoron, but it it just seems to me like it would work. Anyway, you know, wait, why didn't he just pull out and be like, "My lord, why can't I just give you a nose?" And then just you know, nosius growius, and there he'd have a nose, and everybody would be safe. They wouldn't have killed Harry's parents. Harry wouldn't have grown up a neglected child, shoved into a shoved into a closet, uh, while his uncle and cousin ate fat cakes all day. Um, you know, his aunt wouldn't have been like a pissed off witch, uh, even though she wasn't a witch, which was kind of the point. And, uh, you know, he, he would have had a, he would have had an awesome life and, you know, Gary Oldman wouldn't have died and, uh, it would have been, everything would have been fine. So, you know, just give, give Voldemort a nose, give Voldemort a nose. You know, I know, I know a magic trick myself that could help him. There's a trick, a magic trick you can do on children where you go up to them and you grab their nose and you say, I got your nose. So instead of letting the child know that you got their nose, just take it and give it to poor Voldemort. And, you know, this, it solves the whole problem. It solves the problem. Um, okie dokie. So, cartoons. Uh, a while back I did an episode where I talked about forgotten cartoons of the past. And, uh, you know, apparently it was a big hit. Denver the Dinosaur I know went over pretty well. But um, <clears throat> I, I've been looking into more cartoons. Uh, there was the Mr. T animated series. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember? It was kind of like Scooby-Doo, but it was just Mr. T. And he was uh, like a gymnastics coach for some reason. And he had this gymnastics team of people, that came, of, of kids that came around with him. And he had a dog that had the same haircut as he did. And they would go, uh, they would go from town to town for, I guess, gymnastics competitions. I don't know that it was ever explicitly said what they were doing. But there was always trouble. And Mr. T would come in with his Mr. T wisdom where he'd be like, Oh, man, don't do that. That's bad. I pity the fool who does them drugs. And he'd be Mr. T about things. And the dog that had the same haircut as him would go around and, you know, like snicker and do Mr. T stuff. Because, you know, you need to kind of have, like, like a dog that kind of fits in in those cartoons that kind of fits the mold, like a Scooby Doo esque dog. But uh, there was the Mr. T cartoon, and then at the I remember at the ends. I remember watching this when I was a kid. At the end of each episode, they would have a live action segment with Mr. T talking about the issue from that episode. But I, I don't remember it being uh, you know anything of any coherency. I just I just remember it being like Mr. T rambling on about like yeah. You don't want to do... Uh, that was my Booker T voice. I'm sorry. Hey, I don't want to do... I don't want you to be doing no drugs. Make sure to drink your school. Stay in milk. Don't do drugs. And, he, and he'd be like, all right. And he's like, he'd have the chains on and be a Baracus looking from the A-team and all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> uh, other cartoons out there, you know, there was Captain Planet. Captain Planet was fucking amazing because... You know, you had the five teenagers who each had their rings, and they had a certain planetary power that each one of them embodied. And through the power of their rings, they could summon Captain Planet. And I'm going to name for you the five powers they had. There was Earth. Okay, that makes sense, because, you know, the planet has Earth in it. That's what we stand on. That's the ground. Uh, Fire. Okay, that makes sense. That's good. You know, that's one of the elements. Uh, You know, there was Earth, Fire. We have Wind, another element. Makes sense. You know, some clean, fresh air and wind. Uh, Water makes sense. The oceans are made out of it. And then heart, 
which I guess heart could be kind of, you know, attributed to like the willpower to never give up and gutsiness and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, so you combine those five, you got earth, fire, wind, water, heart. And by those powers combined, he would be Captain Planet. And he would come up out of the ground, he would erupt out of the ground, and he would change each color of each one of these elements, you know, like he was brown for the earth, and uh, red for the fire, blue for the water, um, I don't know what color he was for the wind, I guess yellow, and then heart, for some reason, there was like, you know, he had like uh, these underpants and a lightning bolt on his, on his, and a, underneath the planet on his chest, and he'd be Captain Planet, and you know, he'd come and he'd save the day from... Uh, these villains who are all about like pollution and stuff like that. But the, here, here's the catch, folks. Here's the catch. The pollution villains were able to almost easily defeat him in almost every episode by just like blowing smoke in his face. He'd be like, you don't want to smog up the atmosphere. That's not good for the planet. And like, you know, they'd take like a, like a drag off their big cigar and like blow it in his face. And he'd start coughing like he had like, like you, you remember like the Bubble Boy, like John Travolta and Bubble Boy where he had no um, immune system whatsoever. And so like everything could kill him and everything would kill him if he was exposed to it. That's how I feel Captain Planet was. Like, you know, he's like the superhero who can fly and, you know, he has like like the green hair and the mullet, and he's so he like he, he's he's cool sounding, but then like you know you like blow smoke at him or like you know, or or like toss him like dirt like you know some like uh some sludge on him and he's he's fucking wrecked he's wrecked he's destroyed it's fucked him up and he's like oh the power is yours and then he leaves it back up to these kids to solve the uh, you know it always sounded like he was ejaculating whenever he would like fail he'd be like ah the power is yours and then he'd separate and he'd go back into their rings. And he'd leave it up to these five teenagers to solve the world's, like, you know, eco-problems. And then at the end, only at the end of the episode, after they made sure, like, there was nothing that could hurt Captain Planet, they'd summon him again, and he'd, he'd swoop in, and he'd pick up, he'd, like, grow a tree or something like that. And the tree would, like, snag, like, the back of the villain's shirt and, like, lift him up in the air. And they'd go, curse you, Captain Planet! Because apparently they were... They, they had the business savvy and the aptitude to make a, like a ch- chemical plant and dispose of toxic waste, but they couldn't remove themselves from a tree. So uh, yeah, maybe they were afraid of heights. Maybe they never learned how to climb a tree when they were young. I don't know. And uh, you know, lastly, I stumbled upon this fucking masterpiece, and uh, this one is called Rubik the Amazing Cube, and it's basically, for, it was from 1984, they only had like 13 episodes of it, and it basically was about a Rubik's Cube. And um, the, the, the cube named Rubik, which, you know, very, very clever name, very original. Uh, Rubik was, you know, he was uh, a Rubik cube. So you'd solve it and it would come to life. And he'd use his magic Rubik cube powers to solve problems for these uh, two children that uh, had him. The problem with this was that he was always like, you know how a Rubik's Cube works? You know, you get all the colors on each side to match up on all six sides of the cube, and that's how it's solved. If you solve the Rubik's Cube, he would come to life. But the slightest, like, glancing blow or, like, light breeze would send him, like, apparently into, uh, what's the word I'm looking for whenever, like, you uh, can't, you have no sense of balance whatsoever, uh, uh, they made a movie about it. Jimmy Stewart was in it. What's it called? Um, where like fear of heights will do this to you if you're up high enough. Vertigo. He had like severe vertigo, and like you know he'd be like whoa, and like he'd be he'd be shuffled again, and you had to resolve the cube to get him to get him to come back to life. And me and also there was an evil magician 
that apparently is a running theme with these magical things. Like, you know, with Frosty, it was the evil magician who just wanted his stolen hat back. But with Rubik, there was an evil magician who uh, wanted to get Rubik and use his his magical Rubik Cube powers for evil, uh, who would show up from time to time and then was phased out after, like, the fourth episode because they just thought it was too dark, which, I, are you fucking kidding me? It's a talking Rubik's Cube that came to life and has magical powers and has a voice that sounds like this. And, you know, like, I, there's, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I watched some of this on YouTube. There's an episode where he is solved and he's up on the table and the dog comes by. And, like, you know how dogs, like, will jump up and put their paws on the table? The dog jumps up and puts the paws on the table and his vertigo kicks in. He's like, Row! and he, like, falls backwards. And even though he's a cube and has a flat surface on every side, he falls onto his back and that somehow unshuffles him and all the colors are jambled and mixed up again. So uh, check out Rubik the Amazing Cube. Because that was logical. It made sense. <clears throat> um, another thing is I, I, I recently purchased chapter one of uh, the, the film version of cha- It, chapter one of Stephen King's It. And wow, I have not seen a movie that good in a long time. It was, it was captivating. And uh, to be forthright, to be, to be forthcoming, when I was a child, I had an unbelievable fear of clowns. I don't know exactly what it stemmed from, but my earliest memory of a clown was, uh, if, for those of you who are familiar with Plum Borough, you'll know where St. John the Baptist School and Church is. That was my school. And uh, they would have their fe- their festival every like spring, summertime. And uh, I was there. I, 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 I can't believe I was early, uh, any older than four. And I remember I was walking with my mom and my grandmother. And uh, a clown rushed up to me rushed up to me at uh, to what a to a four, what seemed as in my 4-year-old mind at blinding speed but was probably just like you know clown speed and he's like hey do you want a balloon he got right in my face and i started screaming so henceforth i had a dis- very distinct fear of clowns which you know faded over time as most things do but i watched it, it and it was wonderful it was fantastic and um Although it didn't scare me as much as I was hoping, because I think I wanted that nostalgic fear of clowns from when I was a kid to kick in, but it really didn't because I'm a 35-year-old adult, um, it did you know, creep me out a few times. And so I wrote a review for it, and I'm going to share it with you now. Um, you know, I, I, I remember seeing the original t- miniseries as well when I was a kid play- with Tim Curry playing Pennywise the Clown, uh, you know, only further exasperating and exaggerating my fear of clowns, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, it that, that of course, confirmed to, to me that my fears in clowns was, uh, you know, completely founded. And, uh, you know, as with most things, I said, my fear faded as I grew into adulthood. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was fully prepped to have some of those old feelings come bumbling to the surface. And uh, th- there were a few feelings that did. Um, you know, now, first off, my, hands down my favorite scene. I've read the book many, many times. So in any iteration of, of this of this story, be it the films, the miniseries, uh, or the, the book, you know, my favorite scene or part is the opening when Georgie, little Georgie meets Pennywise in the sewer. And I felt that this version of the film really, uh, captured the suspense and terror of the book perfectly, even though it altered a little bit, like in the, in the book, Georgie just kind of bleeds out and dies in the street. And in the, in the movie, you see the, the Pennywise hand come out from the sewer grate and pull him back in. And, uh, 
but uh, you know, I feel I, I feel it captured that that sense of like you know you want to trust the clown because it's a clown, but in no way, shape, or form there's there's just that something in the back of your head that says don't trust this fucking clown. And I think it captured that perfectly. You know, I was also truly creeped up by the uh, the burnt up headless boy from with the Easter eggs uh, chasing Ben through the uh, the, li- the the library. Um, you know, and I think that goes to I've mentioned many times about my dreams where I have I have I have a recurring dream where people's heads just roll backwards off their bodies and then their their heads just roll away and their bodies just start bumbling about doing whatever. And that's I think that creeped me out because that's what it reminded me of. But only if like someone had been on fire before their head just decided to fucking you know, take off. So that part creeped me out. I love that. Um, I found that uh, Pennywise, in this iteration, he's played by Bill uh, Skarsgård. Uh, Pennywise was equally creepy in a very different way than Tim. Cur- than I remember Tim Curry being whenever I was a kid. Uh, you know, he doesn't really, like, vamp it up. He's very coy, and he, he toys with the kids in the movie in, um, you know, uh, making his very sudden bursts of uh, insane clown hostility that much more shocking and terrifying uh, to me anyway. Uh, finding the combination of tones in the movie is a tricky balance to uh, pull off and I think the uh, brief lightning of a tense moment with a quick quip by the, uh, or, the or a monologue in the face of extreme danger by the, by the, actor, the child actors who played uh, the, the Losers Club was, was fantastic. Um... You know, I also like how, uh, compared to the book and the original miniseries, it stayed in 1988-1989 time frame. There was no time jumping around. It wasn't like you see them as adults and then this is all their memories. It's just like, okay, this is happening. Here's the year that you're in. This is happening now. And then when we get to the chapter two, we'll get there to them as adults and coming back and all that second half of the story. I, I loved that. It just uh, it, it made... Um, the core group of the of the losers club of the kids like that much more like I was able to embrace them more as like okay this is them right now and felt for them not like okay this is their past selves I know they survived blah 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 it made it all that more suspenseful for me and uh, it felt like a throwback to like the great King, like Stephen King adaptations of my youth um, it particularly reminded me of uh, Stand by Me do you guys remember the movie Stand by Me with uh, Corey Feldman and it had uh, Fat Jerry O'Connell in it when uh, when he was young and he was fat. It reminded me, this version of uh, It kind of reminded me of that movie in a lot of ways, um, including, up to and including, the uh, Henry Bauer, the the kid actor, the actor that played Henry Bowers in this. He had that mullet, and it reminded me of Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland's character from um, Stand By Me with his mullet and, you know, the switchblade knife and all that stuff. Um, it was very difficult for me to single out any one particular performance over another, but uh, Finn Wolfhard, who played Richie, he's uh, apparently in Stranger Things, which I still have yet to see. Um, you know, he was fantastic, so uh, beep, beep, Richie. Now, this is the element of surprise, so, you know, okay, Chad, that was a very decent film review. Where are you going with this? Well, I'm going, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm going there right now. I'm going to tell you guys, how, having seen this, what I would do if I were put into several situations in that version of the film. Now, there's the, the part where, um, the, the part where the, le- the, 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 the kid is f- confronted with his fear Pennywise in the form of the leper. Okay, so, um, here's me being confronted by the leper. Uh, Number one. Okay, here's the leper. So, how would I deal with the leper? Well, first off, if the leper was coming at me, I would immediately die a cigarette out in its uh, lack of nose, its nose socket. 
and uh, you know, thereby it would be, it would have uh, immediate nasal discomfort. And uh, you know, then I would just lightly kick at it because it's a leper, and it's like you know, its bones are weak, and its limbs would fall off and stuff like that. And then it would just be a pile of uh, a pile of bones and mush and stuff like that. So lepers dealt with. That's how I deal with the leper. Um, then we have um, the uh, I guess how else do I want to describe it? The elong the elongated Jewish painting woman that uh, uh, my, my fiancé refers to as Mona Lisa Smile, which I think is <laughs> equally hilarious in so many fucking ways. But um, how would I deal with uh, this elongated Jewish painting, Mona Lisa Smile Woman? And um, I'm going to tell you now. What I'd do is I'd look at dead in its fucking, like, very close-together fucking almond-shaped eyes, and I'd tell it to wash its face, and I'd toss a, toss a uh, washcloth to it and be like, get out of here, wash your face, and it would saunter off um, into an uncertain future. Um, then, of course, there's the scene with the Beverly in the sink drain where she cuts her hair, and then the, the, the sink drain, the hair comes up and gets her in the blood. How would I, how would you, Chadwick J. Seward, I'm sure you're wondering, deal with that? Deal with hair coming out of a sink drain and spewing blood at you to, uh, how would you deal with that? Well, first off, let me go off to say quickly that um, I love th that the Loser Club took responsibility for that, and they cleaned it up. Even though the adults couldn't see it, they went and they cleaned it up. It showed that they had uh, taken a response. They were showing some responsibility, and they were becoming adults. And in doing so, were less of a target for it in the end because they had now matured. Uh, that being said, how would I deal with it if my sink started to spew blood and old ratty hair at me? I'd call it a scumbag. And after in uh, introducing it to my fist, which I have named Franco and the Hammer, I'd treat it to the beating of a lifetime. So that's how I would deal with uh, some some particular scenes of uh, of the movie It. Now, moving on, that that of course is you know Pennywise in those forms. How would I deal with Pennywise himself? And I, this has been a long time coming. This has been a long time coming. And uh, you know, I, I actually had to write this down for you. So uh, you know, forgive me if this sounds like it's being read because it is. You know, I have for a very long time insisted that I should I ever be confronted by Pennywise the Dancing Clown, I would escape by punching it straight in its deadlights. My biggest problem, however, was that I was never quite exactly sure where the deadlights were located. Were they in its eyes? Because in the Tim Curry version, his eyes would turn silver, and that kind of insinuated the deadlights. Um... Or were they on its underbelly? Because, like, in the again, in the miniseries and in the book, they talk about Henry Bowers being under it in the spider form, and, you know, it, it would rear back to show its deadlights. So, you know, were they on its underbelly? I was never sure. I was never sure. But, uh, you know, I, I never knew yet where they, where they were at. But my determination to find and subsequently punch the deadlights never wavered. So this version of the story specifically specifically place the deadlights deeply inside Pennywise's opening blender dinosaur crocodile face. Um, and I, I saw that in the back there were three spiraling lights. And, you know, those are the deadlights. So this was both a win and a loss for me. Because while I am far more confident that should the need arise, I could most definitely punch it in the deadlights and make my escape. The fact that it is deep inside the blender uh, mouth, I may up end up losing my arm in the process. 
But, uh, you know, again, if you've ever seen the film, you'll know that the, his, his head opens up and it becomes like this unholy child of like a blender and a shark and some sort of dinosaur with the three tiny lights spinning, three tiny dead lights spinning uh, located deep in the back of what can, I can only assume would be the throat. And, uh, you know, even so, even so, punching it in the deadlights is my plan to escape. And it is my longtime goal. I almost want Pennywise to exist just so I could punch him in the deadlights. Because, to my understanding, if you punch it in the deadlights, that's endgame. You, you win. You, you, you win. You punch it straight in the deadlights, and, and you win. So, folks, that is my, uh, that is my review of It. I am eagerly awaiting Chapter 2 because I felt overall the film was a terrific and mostly faithful version of King's Tale. Uh, it all, and also because it preys, on, uh, preys upon fear. And as I said, childhood fears tend to fade as we grow. So the next part of the story where they're adults, what will it use to fill adults with fear? If done correctly, that could be truly terrifying. And uh, what I ultimately loved the most was that it captured the true spirit of Stephen King's story, which, uh, according to Stephen King himself, is that he doesn't write stories about monsters. He writes stories about people that happen to have monsters in them. He writes stories about people that happen to have monsters in them. So, I officially give Stephen King's It an EOS rating of 12 balloons and a paper boat. Alrighty. Moving right along. Moving right along. Um, it looks like we might be getting some new neighbors. It looks like we might be getting some new neighbors in uh, this little part of Delmont, Pennsylvania, where we live. And uh, they were moving in this afternoon when I got home from work. Which, I, I'd like to point out that today is January 17th, 2018. The temperature outside was four. Single digits. And with the windshield, that would make it like negative eight. But they're, they're moving. And it's dark at this point in time that they're moving in. So they're moving at, like, you know, after the sun's gone down in four-degree weather with a windshield factor. And it appears they have a daughter with it, like a, like a small child with them who might be, like, my son's age. She looked a little older, like maybe a year or two older. But, uh, you know, they're moving in. <clears throat> and um, they, they drive a Jeep. And they also have a van that has one of those Rudolph noses on it. You know, you, you guys know the ones that you see around the holidays where people put fucking antlers and a, and a Rudolph nose on the front of their car like they like like their car is a fucking reindeer. Like there's some sort of fucking, like, jolly asshole driving down. Look at my car! That makes Christmas so fun! They they don't have the antlers, but they still have the Rudolph nose on the front of their, on the front of their van. So, um... You know, uh, this we're, we're, oh, they also share a wall with uh, Element of Surprise favorite, uh, Slipknot Mudvayne. So that should be fun for them. I, I don't think they'll probably be lasting that long, knowing him. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to do what I do best with new neighbors is spy on them and make, um, make, <coughs> make judgment calls based on what I see. And so far, just based on, like, the five minutes I watched them today, it, it looks like we're in for some fun. Like, they, they, like the guy went out, and he, he opened up the back of his Jeep. They're moving everything in just a van and a Jeep, which I can't say I haven't done myself. But, you know, they, they, like, he goes into the back of his Jeep, and he, he pulls out what it looks like a big, like, tarp, like something wrapped in a tarp. And I don't know what's in there. Does he got personal belongings wrapped up in a large tarp? Is that a body, maybe? Maybe is he bringing a body in there to, like, hang out with him and his family and, like, decay with them? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm going to keep an eye out on uh, on this new group and see see what they're like. And uh, so that's uh, that that's that's it. And I've, I've got a new segment for you guys tonight. Something I've been working on, something that I've been uh, thinking about. Uh, I was just going to call it rant time, but, you know, I mean, how fucking generic is that rant time? So, um, 
I'm going to call it the Chad Bomb. And the Chad Bomb is where I'm going to rant aimlessly at you. And today's rants are basically going to be like me giving you your horoscopes for the year 2018. So, without further ado, time to get Chad Bombed. You know, sometimes things don't go exactly like you planned. Sometimes you don't even expect... Uh, what can really fuck up your day, but it does. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you got home from work today and a rabid bank, bank vole was uh, engaging your wife in interspecies coitus, impregnating her with some sort of human vole hybrid. Uh, maybe she enjoyed herself. Maybe she invited the bank vole, bank vole into your bed because she was sick and tired of waiting for you to finish fighting an eight-foot-tall cotton patch goose in a vain attempt to learn why it isn't paying its fair share of the rent. Maybe you should have done a background check on this goose to avoid the situation in the first place. Now look at you. Now look at you. You have to raise some Cronenberg Vol child and watch it grow up. And maybe it'll be a doctor or a president. You know, you don't know, but all you know is that it's going to be hideous for the world to behold. And now you feel like a real piece of shit, buddy. So go wash your face. You know, that being said, that being said, I can say with any with great certainty that I've been keeping my eyes open this year for the Hyosube, which I mentioned in the last episode. Uh, the Hyosube, as I told you, was a fabled Japanese uh, demon, kind of like a river goblin. It travels across the land and frequents local homes, invading their houses, using their bathtubs, and uh, leaving behind like a foul smell and uh, tons of fur wherever it goes. Um, now, if you discard the hair or the fur, the Hyosube will return and exact its revenge upon you by killing a horse for some reason. Um, the creature is also prone to destroy eggplant gardens across the countryside. It's that kind of aptitude that can get you pinched in this part of town. And after all, I spent my summer living in a makeshift shed with a few hobos and drifters. And I, then I'd be pretty bummed to find out that there was a cocker spaniel with eyes made out of L pellets living under my porch. Finally, if you have skin, then get ready, because this is going to be your year. You won't have to ward off a graboid attack or teach Uncle Martin how to use the water chestnuts, even though the conversations are stimulating as fuck, because Jupiter is in retrograde and will allow you will <clears throat> excuse me and will allow your neck chakras time to shine. But make sure your face isn't held on by stables, or you might find yourself on a sweaty orgy by Thursday afternoon. Just make certain that your old throbber is up for it, because once you go down that road, you can't always you can't always leave until a Chilean cod cod, which is a South American mountain cat, says it's all right by giving you an approving wink and nod, or a hearty thumbs up. That's how frogs get confused with toads and pilgrims suffer horrible fates. Remember, a surfing velociraptor has your keys and might be entering your home while you sleep. Thank you. Thank you. That was the first Chad Bomb, which uh, I'll, I think I'm going to continue to do. It's just aimless ranting. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it's just a mentally irregular look into my brain, which I do remember one time having somebody say, Chad, you're, the way your mind works is so interesting. I would just like to take a vacation there. And uh, <laughs> I'm more concerned for that person for having said that than I am for my own well-being with a brain that wrote that, you know, comes up with these rants. If I'm as fucked up and mentally irregular as I am, what the fuck's wrong with them that they think my mind is like, you know, like... That's like the Jersey Shore. That's like fucking, you know, Miami Beach. That's like a great place to just chillax. That's the... What? So, um... You know, I'm not going to name any names. I know who I know who he is. And, uh... I I, I... I... That's why I no longer talk to him. That's why I don't speak to that man anymore. Because, uh... That's frightening enough for me. That if you want a vacation in this brain, then you're in for a, you're in for a world of trouble, motherfuckers. Thank you, everybody. This has been 
a wonderful, fun, albeit somewhat short episode of The Element of Surprise. And, uh, you know, I thank you all for listening. Uh, Before I let you go, before I let you go, I want you to, uh, you know, check out a few other things. If uh, I have them somewhere on my papers, I just don't know where I put my papers. I got them all. They're all jambled. They're all jambled here. Okay. No, it was right in front of my face. Okay. Uh, before you go, if you like what you heard here on the Element of Surprise, uh, you know, there's a lot more of that. Like I said, you can check us out. Check out all our episodes at uh, EOS. That's the letter E, the letter O, the letter S. Mentally Irregular. The word mentally, the word irregular. Dot Podomatic.com. Listen to our episodes there. Uh, also, I'd like you to check out a fireside chat with Ryan McCormick, old friend of mine, a former co-host of the Element of Surprise. Matter of fact, me and Ryan got the Element of Surprise started. There'd be no Element of Surprise if it wasn't for him because he was doing a radio show and uh, his co-host left. And so he brought me in and we repackaged it as the original Element of Surprise. So check out a fireside chat with Ryan McCormick on uh, Libsyn.com. Uh, check out McSauce, uh, the comic book podcast with Ian, Paul, and Matt. That is on Podomatic and YouTube. And check out uh, Case in Point with Justin Case, and that is on Audio Boom. Okay, so I'm going to let you guys go, as usual, with a song. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time. Dub, 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 This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Okay, so that's our 
did with you, Hoser. Okay, that's fine. I'll do a solo album. Fine, and you'll be looking for me yeah, like on another not. label. Oh, now everybody's gone. Good so, day. Good day. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you posers. Hey, Getty, we like to thank you for coming on uh, the album and singing on the hit single. Well, it was my pleasure, eh? Like, I wish you guys, like, lots of success and everything. <laughs> beauty. Thanks, Thanks a lot, eh? Well, That's great. You're welcome.